say the haunting of hill house oh. instead of house on haunted hill i have i just they're mu- mutually exclusive because I, I can't i can't no it's okay we are talking about the house on haunted hill good job nailed it yep i'm right yeah okay <laughs> i can't wait for this to pick up all of the bugs that are doing the re, re, this re, is why re, re, we re. need to move somewhere that is not south. There's still bugs in the north. Yes, but they're less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they have quieter bugs yes. in the north. The north is superior in every way, shape, and form to yeah. the south. Well, all of the followers that we thought that we had were <laughs> now lost. It's very touchy when you say stuff like that. Are you ready to get started? Yep. You psyched out of your mind? Yep. Okay. Let's do this. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the podcast where my wife and I have a date night watching a bad movie, and then we talk about our thoughts and opinions. I am your host, Nigel, from ajourneyintofilm.com, and with me, as always, is my fantastic wife, Caitlin. Hey there. I'm going to start using different uh, adjectives for you. They all have to start with F, though. That is... Going to run out very quickly. <laughs> what do you think I am, a thesaurus? Yes. <laughs> uh, this week we are talking about the 1999 remake of House on Haunted Hill, directed by William Malone. Could be Maloney, but I think there's a Y at the end of that when they normally are pronounced that way. Could be wrong. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really go on to do much more. But uh, before we get into that, Caitlin, what did you think about this movie? I did not like it. I did not enjoy it. I just didn't like it. I think it also... How many different ways can you (laughs) phrase the sentence that you did not like? I disliked this movie. (laughs) This movie was not good. Um, No, I just feel like it also kind of depends on like when you watch this movie for the first time so like if you saw it maybe in like the early 2000s or something it might have been better at that time like when it came out for the first time yeah or like even like all the way up to 2010 i'll give it but i watched it and i was like this is horrible i do not enjoy this why am i watching it the story was weak the cgi was poopy and the original is so much better. So the whole time we were watching it, I was like, I just want to watch the original. What specifically about the original made it better than this one? Um, okay. <laughs> so I could be biased in the sense that, like, I just like black and white older films. They're just <laughs> enjoyable to me. But I also just liked the, I feel like there was more character development. Or character backstory, not character development, but, like, character backstory, like, uh, it was more, like, they held their cards closer for a little bit longer than this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I just, 
I don't know. There's like, okay. For me, there's like a level of like enjoyment when you watch a, a 1950s horror film and like you, you're not going into it expecting like this is going to be great. Like that's not what no 1950s horror film are you yeah. going in thinking that. But like in 1990s, 2000, you're going in thinking this might be decent or at least have a decent story. You know, CGI was still rough back then. Back then, oh my gosh. But, <laughs> you know, so... It's okay, it was only 19, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I guess those are kind of like my preferences. And they might be biased, so whatever. You are biased. Everything you say is biased. Right, because it's my opinion. So. Yeah, something like that. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I loved this movie. Yeah. I have been so like when it ended i was like well the last 15 minutes were stupid yeah but everything else i really enjoyed well i just i was left with a lot of questions yeah there's definitely some pretty major questions that you are left with at the end but even after thinking about it for the past couple days i could see this definitely being like a guilty pleasure of mine I would revisit the uh, when it first ended. I thought, well, I'll never have to watch that again. But now I kind of want to watch it again. I would watch it again. I'm not saying it was like, like it's no Battlefield Earth. Yeah. It was more enjoyable than that. So it was more enjoyable than Jason X. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think I enjoyed it on the same level that I enjoy Chopping Mall. Oh, in no. Urban oh, no, 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 no. I mean, no. definitely not more than those. But there's just like, okay, first of all, uh, Jeffrey Rush as like a Vincent Price type. So much fun. I feel like they could have casted better in that role. And I have an idea of who would have done a better job. (laughs) It was not Tom Hardy. (laughs) It's not Tom Hardy this time. Okay. It is Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp would be... 1990s, he was in his prime. Yeah, he was. He didn't buy an island at that point. No. Uh, You know, here's the thing. I think Jeffrey Rush approached this role with a sense of whimsy that kind of reminded me a lot of, like, a really violent Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. And I think he was... Johnny Depp. No, not like creepy borderline pedophile Willy Wonka. Just kind of like, like there's something boiling underneath the surface, Willy Wonka. Uh, I'm not saying he did a bad job though, because no. I real I really think he did well. I just thought Johnny Depp would have done better. And then if you casted Winona Ryder as the uh, his wife. The thing is, like, Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder, they have such a history of being loving characters with each other. Oh, I don't mean... Well, I did mean Winona Ryder, but I changed my mind. Okay. Uh, what's what's that girl's name who is the... Um, she's in Sweeney Todd. Oh, and, Helena Bonham Yeah, Hel- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even that, like, I, I don't see the same level of, oh, like, animosity. No, no, no. I... Love that idea. Okay. Well, I'm remaking the movie and I'm going to star Johnny Depp and Helen Labottom Carter. Can you say her name right? Nope. <laughs> Labottom Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. Labottom Carter. 
And uh, I think we'd have a pretty solid movie just off that. Just keep all the other characters the same? Sure. Okay. So is this, liked... is this like your remake of the movie like that we would talk about later? Oh, no, this is just me casting different people. Okay. I think Jason Alexander would have been a good uh, person to play the guy who owned the Pritchett Hotel. Yeah. Pritchett? Yeah. Where's his name? Yeah, Pritchett. Uh, no, because then that would be like... I don't know. I would just look at Seinfeld whenever he freaks out on there <laughs> and like it'd be too comical at that point. Maybe that's what this movie needed. More comedy? Yes. I mean, I don't know what wasn't funny about it. <laughs> it wasn't trying to be funny. I know. But it was like, it was like, I don't know. I feel like Jeffrey Rush was self-aware in the role that he was playing. Whereas like all the other characters were very straight laced mm -hmm. with how they approached everything. Yeah. And I thought that added a nice, I mean, the, the guy who played Pritchett, Chris Catton, Catan, Catton, he, I thought that he brought a nice sense of like whimsy to it, but it was almost like, uh, I don't know. It was, it, it didn't have the same sense of like self-awareness as Jeffrey Rush did. Mm -hmm. It it was just kind of annoying, but then he mellowed out once his character started drinking a lot. Yeah, that's accurate. He was very uptight and upfront at first, and then he yeah. like kind of drifted to the back. I don't even remember how he. Anyway. Oh, uh, I remember. We'll talk about it. Okay. I the other the thing that I thought about a lot with this movie is that it's very ironically it's very similar to. Uh, well, it's not entirely similar, but it, I think there are a lot of similar characteristics with it and the haunting, which also came out in nineteen ninety nine. Hmm. Uh, with Liam Neeson, Owen Wilson, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I have check. not watched that movie, but oh. we should. It's on our list because, so like, you know how this movie saved a lot of its CGI for the end? Yes. The Haunting is, is like all CGI throughout the entire thing with the ghosts and it looks bad. <laughs> not surprising. Um, oh yeah, Lily Tyler, Bruce Dern. The huge. Uh, but like it, there were a lot of similarities to it. And ironically, the haunting is based off of the haunting of Hill House. Is it or, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting factoids about that. OK. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that House on Haunted Hill, the remake that we were talking about, I thought it did uh, some interesting things with trying to update the story and I liked that at least for like 10 minutes you were wondering, oh, is this ghosts or is this price messing with everybody? And then the ending just kind of threw all that out the window. Well, a lot of things threw that out the window. I mean, you knew with, within the first death that it was a ghost. Who was the first one to die? Um, oh, what's her face? Yeah. Uh, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did, but it, I think that there's still that, like, sense of doubt, and then whenever uh, his wife, Evelyn, shows, like, she's doing the thing, you start actually kind of wondering a little bit. I don't know, maybe I just went into it knowing it was about a girl? I don't know. 
I just, yeah. I, as soon as she died, I was like, yeah, this has to do with ghosts. Okay. Yeah. I remembered that, like, I remember the beginning of this movie in the amusement park. And then I remembered the, the ghost at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I knew the whole time that it was actually haunted, but I could see where the movie was attempting to fool you, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I would just say it didn't do a good job of fooling me, but that's fine. No, it, it definitely, uh, you know, it's not perfect. So should we talk about the plot or did you want to throw out some other? No, I'm ready to jump into the plot. Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. It's 1931, and we are visiting the Vonnegut Psychiatric Institute for the Criminally Insane. Pause for a second. Did we see the opening credits prior to this movie starting, or did we see the opening scene before the credits? I want to say the opening scene, but I could be wrong. But I want to say the opening scene, then credits. No, because it goes from the opening scene to that, like, footage. That, like, old-timey footage from the TV show that she's watching. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just wanted to say I really liked the opening credits for this. I thought it was very, like... There's so many... Songs stuck in my head. The Sweet Dreams? Yes. Oh, that's not the opening song. That's the end song. No, that's, like, whenever they're approaching the house. No, it's also the end song. Okay. And when the end credits go. Fine. And then they play it at the end. (laughs) I don't don't know what the song is that they open it up with, but it's, like... uh, it's some kind of like, you know how like a, in the late 90s, everybody's obsessed with new metal. Yeah. So it was kind of like this like, gr- not grungy, but it was like a metally something or other. Uh-huh. Uh, over this, there are a lot of aspects of this movie that reminded me of a music video for like a metal oh, band. Oh, definitely. And this was one of them with like the footage and the the stop motion uh, um like strings and violence and whatnot. And I thought yeah. it was, uh, it was very well done. Yeah. The effects in this movie minus the final ghost are actually pretty, pretty solid. I thought. And then we go to the Vonnegut Institute where there's like insane people wandering around and I don't know how they get out, but they start like a revolt a riot of sorts and start murdering people. And this is when I first lost lost faith in the movie. Barely five minutes in. Barely five minutes in. Because these people who are held in the insane asylum kill the record keeper guy or a medical staff, whatever he's doing. He's writing something with a pencil that he just sharpened. Yeah. And they stab him in the neck with this pencil. Which, like, pencils are only yay big. That's not going to go through your neck like that. It sticks out like this. Like, what are you telling me? That pencil's, like, a foot long? No. Like, in one shot, you see that the, like, he's grabbing this stack of pencils in his hand. And there's, like, maybe three or four inches of pencil on the other side. Yeah. And then he stabs it into the guy's neck. And while he's still holding onto the end of the pencil, the pencil's, like, are go all the way through the guy's neck. So yeah. it adds like an extra seven or eight inches <laughs> to the pencil. And, uh, That's where it lost me. I was like, oh, that is nope, I'm done. I'm so done. So soon to <laughs> uh, be lost in this movie. Well, if you want to like make me believe this as a horror film and like a good horror film, keep your props accurate. 
If you're having someone write with a pencil that's yay big, if they get stabbed with a pencil, it needs to be yay big. Also, why did it have to go all the way through his neck? They could have easily killed him just by stabbing him on the side of his neck. Like, we, I don't know. It, it wasn't needed. That seemed like extra work that they had to do that then just like made me dislike them. They were just showing off at this point. Right? But Cocky the, funny much? Thing, the funny thing is, this is like the most violent this movie is for the rest of the next like hour and a half. Yeah. Well, just you mean the opening scene? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Uh, so the uh, while this like riot is happening, somebody flips a switch and these like metal doors start bolting down the, the windows and nobody can get out. And then the place catches on fire and everybody dies a fiery, horrible death. In 1931. Not everybody. So then uh, we cut to some old-timey newsreel footage of the results of this, and we find out that there were, like, what, five survivors or something like that? I think there were seven. There were some survivors of said fire. Right. Despite uh, there not being... uh, any logical reason why these people should have been able to get out of there the was, building. There were seven. Because there were seven people in the house. There were seven survivors. Right. But two people in the house weren't related to anybody. We'll get, we'll get there. I think there was five, though. Okay. And there's reasons for that. Okay. Uh, so we're introduced to Evelyn Price, who is played by Famka... Jansen, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She is most well known for being in the X-Men series. Yep. And uh, she is taking a bath, watching this video, this newsreel footage from this like... like that one of that those, used to be like a, an old TV show. I think it was like, I don't... With re- Alec Trebek? Uh, I think... I think the real world version of the show was like Unsolved Mysteries yes. or something like that. Yes. But it's like like the obviously they can't use that for right. the movie. Right. Uh, it's like a knockoff of that, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she decides, I want to have my birthday party at this this insane asylum. Correct. So she calls up her husband. And we know she's like very well endowed. She's super rich because she's like sitting being on a sangria in the middle of the day in, in a, a giant bathtub filled with all the bubbles. So, yes. you know, we know that she's got money. She's living the life because yes. she's married to Stephen Price, played by Jeffrey Rush, who's this like amusement park designer type. And he's showing off his brand new park. And she calls him and says, I want my birthday here. And he's like, I hate you. Go die. Yeah. Uh, they have a very... Um, Toxic. I don't want to use that word. I feel like that uses that word's used too much these days. Uh, they have a lot I of mean, animosity towards each other. Yes, but I feel like it's valid if they're trying to kill themselves. You can use the word toxic if they're legitimately trying to kill each other. Yeah, they hate each other to the point where they want the other person to die. Yes, and they may or may not be taking steps to ensure that that happens. Yes. So that's fun. Yeah, so we're already, like, thrown into this marriage where two people hate each other. Yeah, so the I love this opening introduction to him because it shows the type of character that he is. Yeah. 
so he designs horror themed amusement parks. And he uh, he takes this this newswoman, this anchor woman and her camera guy in this elevator to go up to the new roller coaster he designed. And while they're on the way up, there's like some creaking and some groaning and see he the the camera guy's like, oh, is this going to hold? And he's like, yeah, it's just some growing pains, uh, except Price sounds like just a pretentious jerk the entire time. Right. Like he is too cool for school and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does a good job. Yeah. And then uh, they they start hearing some more groans. And they look up because they can see the, the through the top and the bottom of this elevator. And a pulley breaks. Mm-hmm. And the elevator starts plummeting. And they can see themselves falling. And they're screaming and they're screaming and they're screaming. And Price is trying to, like, hit the emergency stop. And then it stops. And you find out that the floor is a TV screen that says, Thanks for riding. Terror incognito. <laughs> and then they are at the top of the roller coaster, ready to ride it. Right. He calls Evelyn back She's to talk about the asylum. She says, I'm going to send over a guest. And this is like intercut with scenes of the anchor woman and her cameraman riding the roller coaster. And while you're watching it, you see the tracks break. And you think, oh no, they're going to die. And you see the roller coaster car in front of them launches off the tracks and they all start freaking out. Well, turns out that's just part of the ride and it was all a ruse to fool people. So I think like the point of this whole scene is to kind of set up Vincent Price as a Stephen Price. Stephen Price. Wrong person. Yeah. As a like prankster, if you will. Yeah. He is a devilish individual. Yes. Always seeking to amuse people. Yeah. Through fear. Yeah. So just kind of sets him up as like, I don't know. I guess it gives us like, ooh, is it Ghost or is it Stephen Price? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, He basically gives his wife the finger whenever she says, here's my list of people. He shreds her list of guests and invites five people that he knows instead And then we zoom in on the computer screen and we see the list delete itself and create a brand new list. Okay. Here's another point where they lost me. Okay, this this house has control over his computer now too? So they talk about this later in the movie. They talk about how the ghosts can travel through power lines and by extension the internet. Wait, so if ghosts could have done that, why did they have to bring all these people to the house? Okay. And um, another... Because the house only has power where the house is. So they can travel through power lines, but they can't kill anybody. Yeah. Okay. And then how did he not know that the list was changed? Because, like, all it was, it was just a typed out list. He still had to print and mail the invitations. He, so how did how did the computer get the address for these people? How did Vincent uh, Stephen Price not know that the computer changed the names whenever he had to go mail these invitations and put the address down? Like I have one explanation for it. Okay, his assistant. Okay, I'll I'll buy it. I just feel like maybe they could have thrown in a scene of that or something because I was like, what no. is going on? Okay, no. 
just it's his assistant. Okay, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I don't mean to poke holes here. I'm just, I'm just no, saying. No, there are a lot of holes <laughs> in this. Uh, I was just waiting to see if you were adding anything else to no. the beginning. Nope, I think that sums it up. Yeah. So the thing is, though, we're introduced to these char- two characters as if they're going to be like our protagonist. And the thing that is interesting about this opening sequence in comparison to the old one, which I really hate comparing this to the original. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we should. But I did just want to point out that in the first one, you just meet. Uh, I don't even remember who Vincent Price plays in the original one. He's some. Isn't he the husband? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I forget his character's name. Oh, I see. Let me look it up real quick. See, he plays Frederick Lauren. So he, the difference between this one and the original is that we kind of get some backstory into the relationship that the, uh, the Price character and his wife have. We get that in the first one. Yeah, but it's all like hearsay. Like we get one scene of them them hating each other. Yeah, which they do the same thing here. Right. Uh, Maybe the beginning part wasn't necessary. But I feel like it added a little bit more setup to the overall No, story. I, I agree. I think it was, it was, I, I'm not going to say it was necessary, but I, I feel like it did add. Yeah. I think we could have easily played catch up if they didn't have it, but I thought it added more than it took away of anything. So. Yeah. And the amusement park scene is a lot of fun. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And the house in this one, the uh, titular house on Haunted Hill, I also think is a lot of fun really cool i agree with that for sure it's a very well designed house on the hill yeah so this is where some marilyn manson plays uh his cover of sweet dreams are made of this um and we see the our other four invitees showing up Mm -hmm. and this is uh jennifer jensen eddie baker Melissa Marr, Donald Blackburn, and then we're introduced also at this time to Pritchett. Pritchett is the man who currently owns the building because his family owned the building because they were hired to do renovations on it. I don't really understand that. They were hired to like rebuild and renovate the place, but somehow they own it at the same time. I feel like... Oh, I thought his grandpa owned it. And then like his dad's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because his grandpa, what did his grandpa do? His grandpa died. His grandpa didn't die there. No, he did. Because he said, he talks about later how, how he lied about all of that. That his grandpa didn't die there? Yeah. But, but no, I thought he said his grandpa didn't die there, but his dad did die there. Because he said his dad died there in a construction accident, but his grandpa died somewhere else. I, I want to say some type of hospital Maybe he was something. just lying about his dad because he said it was a construction accident, but then it wasn't. Right. Right. So his grandpa didn't die there. But was he lying? He wasn't lying about his grandpa? No. Oh, I thought he was lying about both. No, because he says, like, the house killed... He said the, ca- the house killed his grandpa, but he said that... It happened somewhere else. So the house can kill from far away. So why did he need 
why the house need these people to come. I don't know. But his grandpa died somewhere else. He says that, and then he said... Unless he's blaming the house, and the house really had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And then he said his dad died there on a construction accident. He later explains the house killed him. Yeah. Uh, Pritchett is played by... uh, Shoot, what's his name? Chris Catton, who everybody should know from the Night at the Roxbury slash SNL. Uh, Weird guy. Pretty interesting guy. Um, he, uh, he's just kind of all over the place when this starts. And he's supposed to be the, um... Caretaker, if you will. Well, yeah, he owns it, but he's supposed to be the William Watson Pritchard role. Oh, yes. Uh, from the first one, who, basically, his sole purpose is to just talk about how evil the house is and drink a lot. Yes. And so these guests are kind of hanging out, trying to figure out why they were all invited, because nobody knows each other. Evelyn shows up, and she wants to know who all these people are. And Price shows up, and he wants to know all these people are. And it's like, ooh, there's a mystery afoot. Yes. Um, no one knows anyone. No one knows anyone. And Pritchett, this entire time, is like, I need to leave. You need Give to me let my me money. Out. Give me my money, Price. And then what happens... The house locks them down. Yeah, some something within the house activates the the shield, Lockdown. the shield doors. Yep. So nobody can get out until. Actually, they don't really say when. Did they say Pritchett that it said automatically that, open? No, Pritchett said somebody would be there at like nine in the morning or something. Oh. Like some other crew was coming at nine, like the construction crew or something like that. Yeah, but so. I don't know how he expected them to. Well, he. I think he said that before the house locked down. Yeah. And right. uh, we're doing a really good job remembering this plot. Well, there is a lot of just like, I don't know. Just a lot of random nonsense to try to explain things. Yeah, like a lot of exposition. Like we needed so much exposition in this movie to explain things. Yeah, which was like necessary, but kind of a lot at the same time. Yeah. Also, the... Um, the skylight, the stained glass skylight falls on Evelyn and almost kills her. Yeah, and then um, Eddie saves Eddie the day, jumps played by in. Tate Diggs. And, like, we don't, at this point, we don't know if that's, like, oh, is that um, Stevens Price way of, like, trying to kill his wife? Or is that the house? Like, you're not supposed to really know, like, who did that. Yes, Especially because, so he offers everybody a million dollars if they can stay the night in the house. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, if people start dying, then their money gets split between everybody else. Right. And he hands out guns to everyone. Yes. And after he hands out the guns, he says, oh, I got a pee pee. And he goes to this back room and we find out he's got a, he's got a guy on the inside. Right. Who can activate traps. Yes. His, uh, the guy, we meet him in the beginning. He's his, like, uh, I don't know, sidekick for creating these roller coasters. He does all the practical effects, basically. Yeah. So he, uh, basically his job is to scare the willies out of Evelyn. Yes. And maybe, hopefully, scare her to death. Um, does that cover everything in that part of it? I believe so. Okay. So Pritchett tries to leave. They're all locked inside. That sucks. And 
the fun part about this is Price is like, Evelyn, why'd you do that? And Evelyn's like, Price, why'd you do that? And they're just blaming each other. And so uh, Jennifer, Eddie, and Pritchett go into the basement looking for a way to open up the doors. Yes. And, and this is when poop the, gets real. When Jennifer starts messing. Is this when she starts messing with the um, electrical box and... And um, I mean, that, that happens like, while they're down there. Okay. So can I... Not yet. What do you mean? Can I go into that? Or like, not yet? Uh, two things I want to point out. Okay. One, we're introduced to these scary, spooky... They, I think that... I don't know if they're statues or if they're just like leftover remnants of experiments. The no, the like, the bodies oh. and the cases, they look like oh, yeah, things yeah, yeah, that... Yeah. Uh, research facility would have mm -hmm. um they look like that those things that people see at the like body exhibit where it's like muscles and yeah sinew and and they also find this machine that what's it called the stimulus machine or the um some kind of tank man i wish i could remember what that's called there's some kind of tank and supposedly this Vonica character said it'll make a sane man insane and an insane man sane. Yeah. Because it just flashes images at people. Right. And then this is. So this is when um, Jennifer. Yeah. We know her as Jennifer. Yeah. But we also find confusing. out that her name is Sarah. Right. So this is when Sarah slash Jennifer is messing around. Well, I guess. Okay. Do you want to explain why she's really Sarah? Well, that's what I was going to go back and kind of talk about. So at the beginning, when everyone comes in the house, they introduce themselves with their name and their job. So like Eddie is like, oh, I used to be a um, baseball player, famous baseball player. And um, Blackburn is some famous doctor. Um, we we know Pritchett is for the house. Um, Sarah is. Jennifer. Um, we know her Sarah Jennifer slash Jennifer is a um, game show host. No, that's Melissa. Melissa was a former celebrity game show host. Oh, she was some um, Sarah slash Jennifer is an executive. Yeah, some CEO of some yes. ambiguous company. And then Melissa is a game show host. Yeah. And so Sarah slash Jennifer and Eddie are in the basement and... Sarah slash Jennifer starts messing around with the electrical box. Yeah. And Eddie says, wait a minute. You can't be doing that because you're a CEO of a company. CEOs don't know how to do electrical work because those two things are mutually exclusive. And you, you can't have both of them. You have to pick you a trait. It's impossible. You can right. only know how to do one job. You can either be a CEO or you can know how to work an electrical box. Not both. Yeah. So this was red flag for him. I would have not thought twice about it, but for him, it was like trigger. I he also knows didn't think else. twice about it, but he decided that this was important to know. Yes. So this is when Sarah slash Jennifer goes into her little secret that she's not really Jennifer. She Her real name is Sarah, and she was only the assistant to the CEO of Jennifer. And she got fired. And she got and fired. Took her invitation to this thing. Yeah. Which okay. Which also I don't know why you do that. A lot of questions. Yeah, like she does not seem like a decent human being. But okay. That's not even what I'm thinking about. Oh. We'll get to what I'm thinking about. Okay. Um. 
she uh then i think well then we and is this when he just like disappears i thought that melissa died first before all this started happening i think they they're they're I don't remember if they happened they, like simultaneously because no, she goes into the basement too. First, yeah, and then they all her, come like, running video down. Camera yeah, thing. And they come run down to get her. I think. Or I check think, on her. I think it happens afterward because they go upstairs because they're with everybody when okay. they hear her scream. Yeah. So uh, Eddie disappears. Sarah goes looking after him, sees him. He's got this weird light in his eye, mm-hmm. so we know. That's probably the regular Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> you think Eddie is like, oh, she knows how to do electrical work. She's probably not a CEO. He's like a real detective. Sarah's like, oh, he's got this weird light in his eye. It's probably fine. He's not talking to me. He's just walking <laughs> away creepily. That's probably the real Eddie. Yeah. He's probably just playing a prank on me. Right. Although, Silly Eddie. Arguably, at this point in the movie, they don't know that anything supernatural is going on. No, but also, if I saw that, I'd be like, peace out. Oh. I'm done. You know what? Sorry I let you touch my butt. <laughs> I don't so, remember him. It's whenever he, like, lifts her oh, up onto yeah, the thing. Yeah. She's like, stop getting handsy, you. And yep. we think, oh, here's a love. Sexual tension. But, like, it goes nowhere. It, Yeah. Uh, so she chases after him to the point where she sees him jump into this vat of blood because that's what uh, 60-year-old asylums have on hand. Just tons of vats of blood. I actually yeah. have one just, like, right now. I feel yeah. like, you know, everyone has one in in hand, right? Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, so she goes trying to dig after him, realizes that he's not in the tank because he's standing there like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And something tries to pull her in. And, and he then saves her. He saves her. Somehow they find their way back upstairs easily, even though we established that this place is a maze. Right. But that was only like for one scene. Like yeah. the rest of the time they know this house backwards and forwards. Except when they go, except when they realize that they need to go to the attic and that's where the control thing is for the doors. Yeah. Yeah. When it's convenient, the house is a maze. When it's not convenient, the house is not a maze. Exactly. Okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So then that's when the thing with Melissa happens. Okay. So Melissa is filming. I don't know why she has a video camera. Like, why would you bring... I don't know. I think she's trying to find real ghosts. So that's why she brought her video camera to this party? Yeah, because she, okay. since she was like a former celebrity, she's like, this is... Doesn't she say, like, this is going to put me back on the map yeah, yeah, at yeah. one point? So she's... Got her stupid looking video recorder that like never caught on. Yeah. Um, and she's she's carrying it around and she sees a like a chair slash bed where they used to tie patients down and do experiments on them. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, filming and she's looking through the camera and she sees a doctor and a nurse torturing an in- individual on this insane asylum table. Yeah, that was actually kind of a cool scene. Yeah. So I know every time I, like, I was trying to refresh myself on this movie, and every time I, like, Googled, like, clips of this movie, that scene always popped up. And I was like, well, apparently this is the only good scene in the film because it was the only one that popped up. But anyway. So Melissa's recording this, and she is seeing this happening through her video recorder, camcorder. 
I don't know what they call her them. Video camera. Her video camera. She's like seeing this uh, scene go down where the doctor and nurse are torturing an insane asylum patient, and she's like, "Oh my goodness, I'm about to die!" Because when she moves the camera recorder, nobody's there, right? But then she puts it back up, and people are there. And then she puts it back down and people are there then she puts it back up and they all turn and look at her and that did make me want to poop my pants because like that was scary that was a little creepy it was a little creepy so they all turn and look at at her and you just hear like a blood curdling scream don't doesn't she see the like the weird faceless looking ghost thing she the, might like, monster ghost with like no eyes oh yeah she does she does yeah and then she, we don't really see how she's. We don't killed, actually though. see her dead. We just. We we see her in a pile of blood. Later. Yeah. So they she screams and everybody goes running after her. Mm-hmm. They find her camcorder on the f- ground. Now mm-hmm. you have me saying that word. They find her video camera on the f- ground <laughs> in a puddle of blood, and the weird thing is the trail of blood goes up the walls right into. The house? Yeah. And Pritchett's like, the house has her now. Right. He, okay, once he, <laughs> once he mellows out, like, after the fir- opening scene, yeah. I really feel like he figures out the character, and he starts playing him like uh, the Pritchard in the original one, yes. which I really appreciated. That. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, Price, they take. Oh, yeah, they take the camera upstairs. Right. And try to get it working. Mm-hmm. And they see the video of her dying, but it's like kind of off screen. And you yeah. just see a puddle of blood and like a hand. Yes. You don't see what happened. No. Do you want to keep going? You want to do the next part? Is this when Price goes into his secret room? Yeah. Okay. So Price goes into his little secret room with his little secret sidekick that I always forget his name. Um, Schechter. Schechter. And uh, he's like, he goes in there and he's... Like, he's going to say, hey, dude, like, we got video cameras in every room. Let's see what happened to this Melissa girl because... Um, Price thinks Evelyn did it. Yeah, Price thinks Evelyn did it. Evelyn thinks Price did it. They're blaming each other. And so Price is like, I'm just going to go to Checter and see, like, what happened to her. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. I really like that the main dynamic of this movie is that a husband and wife are fighting each other. Uh, as much as like I like in real life, like that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very clever for this one. It's kind of like, hey, we're gonna do our thing. Everybody else can come along for the ride, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And the fact that there are ghosts is just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so he walks in, and dun dun dun. Checker's face is missing. Mwahaha. Yeah, that was actually a pretty cool effect. So, yeah, it, it didn't look bad, I don't think. No. So half his face is literally just gone. Like, and, and it's not like, oh, they took, like, the skin of his face. It's like right. someone took an a actual bite. chomp out yeah. of his face. He kind of looks like a like a bloody Pac-Man face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure why he died, but he did. And, um, and so then Price looks at the... TV monitors that are recording in each room, and he sees the doctor, who we saw in the beginning scenes, who was torturing this insane asylum patient. We see him doing the creepy walk in... Yeah, that was kind of creepy. ...by the bar, yeah. And then he looks into Evelyn's room, 
And I forget what he sees in Evelyn's room. He nothing. He just he sees the doctor walking off, and he his first thought is like, "Oh, oh no, Evelyn. Evelyn's gonna die." And because Evelyn at this point is upstairs in bed asleep. Yeah, she was pissed off, so she was like, "I'm just gonna go to bed instead right. of having a birthday party." Sounds like somebody I know. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Uh, so they hear. Uh, so they're back in like the main room. After like a little montage of everybody like looking around the house. Hey, when when does Evelyn go boom boom? Trying to shoot him? Yeah. Before she goes to bed. Oh, okay. We missed that part. I I want to talk about it. So <laughs> Evelyn, so Price gives everyone these guns, yeah. and Evelyn points it at Price because she's like, "You did this to Melissa. I know for a fact you killed her, or That's you right. or she you did him. yeah, or you like did some." prank here where is she she he pulls the gun up on price and price is like you think i'd be stupid enough to give you real bullets and she shoots some well shoots near him and it goes right behind him and shatters a bunch of glasses and she said like oh this is a mystical house isn't it yeah suddenly the guns with blanks now have real bullets in them yeah and the and the i think this is why they say that the guns were like welded shut yeah uh, because the idea is that nobody can put real bullets in it. Right. Meaning Evelyn can't put real bullets in it. And, uh, but somehow the bullets are real. Yes. So, all right. So then that is when Price goes and, and sees. Schechter. Schechter. The face. The doctor. Yes. And he thinks something's going to happen to Evelyn. They hear I don't think they hear screaming, but the lights start doing some weird thing, right? Yes. And so they go downstairs, and who is strapped into the electroshock chair? Evelyn! Evelyn. And they can't figure out how to turn it off because there's a trillion switches in this room. Right. And Evelyn dies. Yes. And Price is upset about it. Yes, which is like, a, a, I mean, I'm not saying that's not realistic because like even if you hate somebody and they die, you, you can be upset about it. So I'm not calling BS on that. But I do think it was a little bit of a jump, jumping from like a scene where like she literally just tried to shoot him and mm-hmm. then now he hears that she's died. Just a little bit, but I'm not going to call BS on it because, you know. Yeah. You could still be sad about that. I could see them, like, I could definitely see her hating him, but him maybe just, like, playing along with her game, but, like, really caring about her, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily being able to show it type of thing. Yeah. Uh, That was how I kind of interpreted all of that, but that might be completely wrong. Yeah. No, I could see it that way. So then everyone leaves the room. Leaves. Well, he, he wants to know who who did it. Yeah, so he's like super. So he pulls a yeah. gun on people. It's like, who killed my wife? Because apparently we're just ignoring the whole blanks thing. And mm-hmm. we're just assuming all guns work. All now. guns are real. All yeah. guns are real now. All guns are real. And they knock him out. I think Eddie knocks him out. Yes, Eddie knocks him out. And they put him in the tank thing. Mm-hmm. With the, Eddie to keep an eye on him. No, with the doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. To keep an with eye the doctor him. to keep That's an eye on him. That's super important. It is. I was thinking Eddie was a doctor for some reason, but um, I think. Are you sure Eddie knocks him out or Blackburn? I thought Blackburn knocked him Somebody out. Somebody knocks him out. Okay. It doesn't really matter who. Okay. Because everybody's a hero and a villain in this story. This is true. So they put Price in the insane asylum tank. The the scary tank. Yes. And, scary tank. Uh. The others, everybody leaves, leaving 
the doctor. Um, I just, what's his name? Blackburn. Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Played by Peter Gallagher, whom we only know him from New Shameless. Girl. Isn't he in Shameless? No, I'm thinking of somebody else. You're right. I'm nodding my head in agreement. <laughs> um, then, so the doctor, of course, because this is absolutely necessary the story, he decides, oh, he's evil too. And he turns the chamber on so that Price can be tortured. And it's basically like this giant uh, zoetrope thing with like a guy bouncing a ball. But then it turns into like this weird hallucinatory thing where he's underwater and there's like ghosts and bags over his head and he sees Melissa and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. And uh, so they Sarah and Eddie go to play like mystery gang or something like that. (laughs) And they come across this picture of like the former staff. Mm -hmm. And this is when they realize that the guests were survivors of the fire. And so, like, the house is trying to get revenge on them. Right. Now, here's the thing. They're like, oh, there's, they're, like, they figure out who four people are. Okay? They figure out who um, Melissa was related to. They find out Melissa was. They find out that uh, Eddie was. Sarah and somebody else. I I thought it was... Well, we already know Pritchard is related. And so I thought it was Stephen and Evelyn. Regardless, I don't remember... I don't remember exactly who, but within the movie, they realize that there's one person at the party who does not have a last name that matches anyone on the list. Right. And I can't remember... And they're like, oh, who is it? Cut to... Blackburn, and I think the implication is that Blackburn is the one that's there that's not on the list. Yes. Because we find out that he Ooh, is... can I do the scene? Yeah. Okay, so Blackburn goes into the place where Evelyn died, and he injects her with something that wakes her up from this, like, coma-like state. After up her dead body, by the way. Yeah, after, like, making out with her when she was still dead, which is weird but okay so then he puts the serum in her and she like wakes up oh it says right here the blackburn whose name does not appear among the staff okay so um yeah so he wakes up evelyn and she's like they make out and we find out that blackburn is evelyn's secret lover secret lover (laughs) I don't know that song. I just know that part of it. That's what they should have played. They should have. Um, and um, so they're talking about how they like faked it and they're like, oh, we're going to frame Price for killing me. Yes. And um, then Evelyn kills Blackburn. Because yeah. Okay. No, but th- that's not. Okay. So Evelyn and Blackburn. Evelyn asked Blackburn, hey, is Price dead yet? Because he was supposed to, like, basically what they wanted to do was every, get everyone to think that Price was murdering people. Yeah. And so that they someone at the party would kill him. Yeah. And so... And then she would magically be alive still. Right. And then they were practicing their story for the police and stuff and what they would say. And she was, like, fake crying about his death, basically. Basically. Yeah. And so, like, literally, out of 
nowhere, she just kills Blackburn. And no, like out of nowhere. And I was like, okay, you killed your one ally. You're one ally. Like, I could see if, like, she was just using him, but, like, kill him at the end, dude. Like, what are you doing? Well, okay, I think her thinking was that he was watching Price, and the idea was that Price got out of the tanky thing and killed Blackburn in the process so that it looked like Price killed Evelyn and Blackburn so that people would be on edge about him and then kill him. And she would show up later. There's so many different ways you could have gone about that, though. They also could have faked his death. And she could have shot him with the little serum thing. Blackburn? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things that they could have done differently. But this is how they chose to do it. It was stupid. And then we're supposed to believe, like, for one second, like, oh, Evelyn likes Blackburn. Oh, just kidding. We don't even know how long they were lovers for. Like, this is stupid. We don't. I'm so mad. Um, so then she lets Price out of the tank and he goes wandering around like a drunk person thinking like he's going to die, asking, begging people to help him. They find Blackburn dead and they end up shooting Price. Yeah, Sarah because, shoots Price because because he like he's like, help me. Help yeah. Me. But she's like, no, you killed someone. I'm right. not going to help you, even though this man is defenseless and not trying to attack her. Yes. And then we find out that they go upstairs because they're like, we're just going to wait out the night. Now right. that everybody who's dead. So is the only people alive at this point it, um, that we know is Evelyn, Eddie, Pritchard. Yeah, Pritchard and Sarah. Pritchard and Sarah. I told you I forget how Pritchard dies because, like, it was Oh, we'll get so... that. Okay. But Evelyn, not Evelyn, Eddie, Sarah, and Pritchard go upstairs to try to pry open one of the, the, the windows. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Price reveals that he's been wearing a bulletproof vest, which is very smart. Yeah. He uh, said he, he knew Evelyn was going to try to kill him. Yeah. So he wore a bulletproof vest. This is an unhealthy relationship. It's a very unhealthy relationship, but it's very entertaining to watch. Yeah. And then when Evelyn, then Evelyn kills. He attacks no. her and throws her through the wall. Yes. And that's when the ghosty is re- is released. And the ghost is like the spirit of all of the people who died there in 1931. And it's like one giant spirit. Yeah. They came together to create mega spirit. Yeah. And the effects look really bad. Yes. But fun fact about that. It's literally like video footage of a naked woman just copied and pasted over top of each other to make this like weird mirrored fractal ghosty thing. They did that. And uh, it looks bad. Yeah. Especially like, okay, within the context of the entire movie, you have these pretty fantastic looking doctor ghosts monster effects yeah and then you have this weird cgi amalgamation which just has naked women in it yeah. and like imdb is like if you pause it you can see the naked women no you don't need to pause it it's very <laughs> front and center that this is like a dancing naked woman co- copied and pasted trillions of times to make this ghost uh Price is like, Evelyn, you got to get out of there. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you. We should also, like, let's talk about that for a second. So, so Evelyn, like, 
just tried to kill him. And he just tried and to kill he, her. And he just tried to kill her. And they, like, talked about how much they hate each other. And that, that, the fact that he had to wear a bulletproof vest because he knew that she was going to kill him. And and she knows about the... um, She knows about the... Do- he knows about the doctor, that her and the doctor are together. Yeah. He says that he already knew about that. Then he pushes her in there. That ghost thing shows up, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, JK, changed my mind. Don't want you to die. Like, stop jumping around, movie. Stop. Either they hate each other or they don't. They can't have both. Can I give you a hot take? Here's my hot take on Stephen Price. Uh, I have two ways of reconciling this. One, I think he is genuinely frightened by the existence of an actual ghost. And because up until this point, he probably doesn't think that the ghosts in the place are real. Right. And so I think part of him. Well, no, he saw the doctor on the monitor. Yeah, but he probably thought that was like, once he sees Evan alive, he probably thinks, oh, it was just Evelyn pulling a prank on me. Oh, yeah, I guess I could see that. So he's probably genuinely frightened Mm -hmm. and he probably thinks to himself either, and this is where my hot take comes in, he either doesn't want anyone to die from a ghost because that's messed up or I think deep down there is a part of him that cares about her despite their relationship being toxic. Yeah. And I think he might have some anger management issues. I mean, I don't disagree. I just, I feel like it's like a lot of jumping. Like, cause you had to infer a lot yeah. to get there. Oh, like, 100%. It's just, they jump around a lot. And also all of this is over, which I mean, I think probably like him loving her deep down is accurate because this is also all of this hatred and Evelyn trying to kill Price is all over the fact that he won't give her a divorce. Yeah, he won't honor their prenup. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to give her money. And I guess it's his fault that the prenup was broken. Yeah. So maybe it's a pride thing also, but... I don't know, but, like, it just seems like... Like, (laughs) I just feel like it's, it's a hard... Like, that's an extreme. Like, oh, I'd rather, like, keep my money than... And kill you. Like, those are extremes. Like... I think... I I imagine that it started with him saying, I'm not giving you money and I'm not giving you a divorce to her saying, I'm going to kill you. And then he comes back with, okay, I'll kill you too. Yeah. Like, unhealthy relationship Maybe his version of killing her is just self-defense. Maybe. It's a deterrent. Maybe. Uh, So this ghost thing chases, uh, eats up Evelyn and then uses her face uh, cause they gotta, they gotta get all that money out of Famkin Jameson that the Jansen that they can. Right. And Price runs up the stairs from the basement area is banging on the door. Pritchard, Eddie and Sarah are like, Price is alive. What? I better go check on him. Mm-hmm. And then the open the door. Price is knocked to the, oh, Pritchard opens the door just as Price is knocked to the side. And this is when the ghost kills Pritchard. Oh, see, it was so uneventful. I didn't know. There's too many other things happening. It was. So then they, Price and Sarah and Eddie are like, let's get to the attic because somehow the attic is more safe than the rest of the house. This is when Price finds the levers for the, uh, um, the doors and the windows. And in a moment of attempted humor during this horrible climax, he <laughs> like throws this wrench and it happens to hit the lever that they need to. The correct one. Yeah, that opens a window like just enough that someone can get out. 
and then Eddie and Sarah get up there. Sarah or Eddie's Sarah like, goes through the window. Yeah, well, she. Uh, so the ghost is coming after one of them. Is he coming after? Is the ghost coming after Sarah? And that's when Price jumps in front of it. Look, man, I don't know. Okay, so Sarah and Eddie are running towards the thing. The ghost is coming after one of them, and Price jumps in front of it to push them out of the way and is eaten by the ghost. And then Sarah gets out, but the ghost starts cutting the rope. And this is when we find out in a stupid, stupid, possible attempt at a last-minute twist. Find out that Eddie is adopted, which makes the ghost pause long enough that the ghost of Pritchard can show up, open up the window so that Eddie can get out. Right. And then the ghost is trapped in the house because it's locked down. And Eddie and Sarah are sitting on a ledge on the outside of the house with no way to get up or down. Which also doesn't make sense because they're still on part of the house. So I feel like the house could still kill them because they're still connected to the house. And I understand the windows are locked down, but if the ghost can travel through freaking power lines, you're telling me it can't travel through a locked up window? That makes no sense to me. I need answers. Uh, The only answer I can give you is that Sarah and Eddie end up with the $5 million. Yeah, which was, like, another stupid thing. Like, so then they're sitting on top of the house, like, on the very top of the house, and, like, the house should have killed them. Like, I don't understand why the house did it. No one should have survived this No. Then $5 million gets slid out the window seal. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know. That's their... It doesn't make sense! Yeah, uh, I'm... 90% 90% sure that they die up there, which answers our question if that couple's going to last. Uh, they're going to last till they die. Yeah, regardless, they wouldn't they have, have lasted. Else. So they can spend that $500 million on nothing. nothing. Maybe that's how was the house's whole plan. That's how it wanted to kill them. It's the dramatic irony of everything. Yeah. You, we'll give you the money, but you have to stay out on that ledge for the rest of your life. Yeah. Which is like five days. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know how long people can last. I think it's like 30 days without food or water. That's a really long time. I know. But they're in the hot sun, too, so then Uh, there's like that whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. What is this? Uh, Oh, and there's an end credit scene where it's like back to 1931 in black and white, and we see Evelyn and Stephen being tortured for all eternity by the doctor people. Right. End of movie. Which, like, I also just didn't care that any of these people died. Just side note, none of them seemed like decent human beings. None of them made me feel bad for them. None of them made me feel like, oh, maybe they shouldn't die. Like, I just didn't care. Whereas, like, in the original, there were some characters that I cared about. You had, so, so you had the Pritchard character in the original. Yeah, which, you like, had, like, didn't the care. the strong leading man type. I liked him. You had, like, the scientist type, the skeptic. Yeah, I liked him, too. There's somebody else, and then there was... That lady who was afraid of everything. Yes. She was kind of annoying. I wanted her to die, so... Yeah. I mean, everybody dies in the original, right? Yeah. Except for Price at the end. Well, maybe so. the, the, the the leading man and the girl. I don't remember. We need to... I should have watched that again in preparation of this. I did but like that one. We did want to compare this to nothing. Right. Um... 
I didn't write down any general facts about this movie, so I'll look those up while... Um, Caitlin. Yeah. This movie had an estimated budget of $37 million. Okay. What do you think it grossed million. in the U.S.? Um, okay, so budget of $37 million. This is 1999. I'm going to say it grossed $45 million. Uh, close. It was $40.8 million. Okay. So, it, I mean, it kind of made money. Yeah, it kind of did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else from 1999. Like, this is what people would go see. This is what we had in the 90s. Yeah. I, I should have looked up, like, what other movies were popular at the time. Um, really the only fun fact that I had was the thing about the naked women and the ghosts because mm-hmm. nothing else was like interesting. Yeah. Nothing else was really interesting. Um, the one thing that I did think was kind of interesting that they did. So the company that made this dark castle based their name off of William castle, who directed the original house on haunted hill. And he is famous for doing like gimmicks and stuff. And for this movie, what did they do? What was the gimmick? Uh, in this one, they gave them people scratch-off tickets. And uh, you had a chance to win money, just like the characters in the movie. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, the original House on Haunted Hill, uh, for those who have seen it, there's a scene at the end where, like, a skeleton is hung by a wire and it comes floating out and it's like all spooky and whatnot. Yeah. And some theaters would have like a, a skeleton that would roll across the ceiling. That's at clever. That part. Uh, William Castle also did a movie called 13 Ghosts, which we'll talk about the remake on this one also. And the movie was filmed in such a way that you could like look through these glasses and in one scene you could see the ghosts and in the other one you could not see the ghosts. Interesting. Uh, using like the old scion and scion cyan and red 3d glasses technique of course uh they also did like the tingler and that was like this thing that would like the chair would vibrate when (laughs) it's great it's william castle is a very interesting individual and i highly recommend you google him because i'm not going to talk about this isn't a william castle (laughs) this is a house on the haunted hill from 1999 podcast caitlin would you like to tell us how you would improve this movie Well, I think I already told you some of it with uh, my new cast improvements there. Um, But let's see. So I think what this movie needed was a lot of less exposition and a lot more caringness about the characters involved. Um, And like more logical reasons for why the house kills them and how and like. They really glossed over the whole, like, oh, these are the descendants of the people that escaped the house originally. Yeah. So that could have used a little bit more something or other. Yeah, I agree. So, like, we... So we could have had, like, a lot more scenes with, like, those people in kind of, like, quick history of who they are, how they're related type thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're all kind of connected to the house in some original way with, like, their jobs. Like, I don't know, maybe we could have had Michelle do a a news report on that house already. And like, I don't know, we could have just had some other things going on there um, where we had some like reasons for these people to know about the house, to be at the house or like care. Um, 
also, Nick's the ghost. Just, we're not doing ghosts, okay? We're just not. It's not scary. We're not doing that, okay? Um, what I also think could improve this movie is if all of them were couples, okay? So we have uh, the Price couple, and then we have, like, two other sets of couples there, okay? Mm -hmm. And then all the spouses be trying to kill each other. It's like but just we don't one find giant out. game of like people trying to kill each other. Yes. You're throwing a lot of ideas out there that don't make cohesive sense. No, I'm just saying like get rid of the ghosts. No ghosts. Gone. No ghosts. Ghosts are gone. Like in the house isn't alive and like we don't need the insane asylum thing. It's just a spooky house. A they house all on have haunted a, hill, if you will. Exactly. They, then they all invite these people there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's a party. They all know each other. And then they all go to this house. And then they're all trying to kill each other for different myriad of reasons, okay? Hold on. I got this. Okay. Let me piggyback on there for a second. Okay. Price and Evelyn Uh are couples therapists. Okay. Okay. Okay, I like it. I like it. And their whole thing is they have like a weekend retreat at this house. Okay, I like it. And the idea is that it's going to be like a whole weekend where these couples can work out their problems yeah. and whatnot. And yada, yada, yada. The couples all start trying to kill each other. Yes. Like, okay, no. These couple, these are like at-risk couples that they bring here. Okay. These are like the worst of the worst where they're like. They're going to get a divorce if we don't help them. Yeah. But okay. like they're either going to get divorced or kill each other. Oh, okay. Like that's the thing. <laughs> High stakes here. Yeah. Okay. Like there's already signs of like. Like domestic in these violence, in these couples, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. What we don't know is that Evelyn and Price also have been trying to kill each other for a long time because he is famous off of some book that he wrote, and she's mad that she wasn't included in it. Like he left her out, even yeah. though she did a bunch of the research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then this whole movie is about these couples trying to kill each other, and. That's as far as I, I love it. No, I love it. I think that's perfect. So we just have a movie about these like at risk couples and they're just all trying to kill each other. But how would the movie end? How would the movie end? Yes. I think the movie would end with Evelyn. It would end the same way. Okay. Everyone the, died. The, I, I want the blast doors. Okay? okay. Evelyn is sitting on the ledge at okay. the end of the movie. She gets out, doors locked, but she's holding. Steven's bloody heart in her hand and she's like I won and she eats it yeah <laughs> I love it I think that's a great yeah that great... uh that got really dark <laughs> it's brilliant yeah I mean at this point we're 13 episodes in why did no why has no one hired us to write movie scripts yet I'm saying I'm saying I could be pretty gosh darn good at it yeah I I'm just want to get paid for it yeah. You're like, I'm just I'll just give do it my for ideas. free. <laughs> I had good ideas. I give them away for free. I don't care. I think that's a great one, though. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie has a lot of famous people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, we should all know from the Pirates of the Caribbean series. He was also in a miniseries on Einstein called Genius, where he played Einstein. Famke Jansen, we already know. X-Men. Tay Diggs is in... Uh, Empire and Rent and Chicago and uh, uh, what is that movie that we just watched with him? Oh, Equilibrium. 
his other late 90s film with uh, Christian Bale. Peter Gallagher was a New Girl and Grace and Frankie, Chris Catton, Saturday Night Live, How I Met Your Mother, The Middle. He's also in Benicula. Found out that there's a TV show for Benicula. Okay. Uh, Ali Larder was on Heroes and The League and Splitting Up Together. Bridget Wilson Sampras, who played Melissa, was in Mortal Kombat. And her last movie was in 2008 called Phantom Punch. Hmm. Uh, this director has also not done anything since 2008. The writer has not done anything th- since 2000. So we know where their careers went. Um, anything else you want to add? No. I forgot our ranking list. Uh, okay, so I would put it... It's okay, I was, I've been thinking about this. Okay. I would put it like... Probably under the Wicker Man. I w- okay. For me, I would put it underneath. Uh, what's third on our list? Is Urban Legend third on our list? I think so. We have Chopping Mall, Stalked by My Doctor, Urban Legend, Battlefield Earth, Jason X, The Wicker Man. Ooh, I would put this before Battlefield Earth and after yeah. Urban Legend. Yeah. I think that's a solid place. Yes, yeah. I agree. Because I really enjoyed this movie. I will revisit this one, unlike yeah. other movies on our list. Yeah. So those are my thoughts about that. All right. I cool. like it. We really need to start putting, posting that list on Instagram. Let's do it this week. All right. So this movie is available on iTunes for 99 cents. I don't know about other places, but... Uh, I don't it. Yeah, I don't it. I think uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory, they have a uh, collector's edition of it that just came out recently. It's got you a should cool buy cover. It. Uh, maybe see if uh, somebody buys it for me for Christmas, which is just around the corner in like <gasps> Christmas in July. I'm so excited. There guys. we go, Christmas in July. You could get it for me instead of getting me something for the Criterion sale. There we go. Because I know you were planning on it. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Journey into Film. You can hit that subscribe button in your podcatcher of choice so you never miss out on an episode of Bad Movie Date Night because we know that you love our colorful descriptions of these movies. And if you don't subscribe for the colorful descriptions of the movies, you should at least subscribe for Caitlin's updated uh, improvements on these movies. I don't know. You killed it this week. Yeah. Although I I did have an idea after you said that, but I don't think you could live up to to yourself. I mean, if you want to share it, we got time. Well, it's not as good as yours, though, okay? So, like, I don't want people to think, like, yours is better. But I did have an idea. So what if this house was alive, okay? Okay. And you would walk into a a room, and it was, like, a um, dark and twisted uh, kid story fairy tale. So, like, you – so they go exploring this house. And then, like, they go into one room. This is going to be a whole nother movie completely because it has nothing to do with people killing themselves. It's just, like, a whole bunch of, like, friends who want to have, like, a party at this haunted house or they think it's haunted. That turns out to be, like, a giant storybook house? Yeah, that turns out to be a giant storybook house. And so they, like, walk into one room and it's, like, the, like, the dark Snow White story. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the grim, the grim ones. And then they go into another one and it's like the real Hansel and Gretel, like dark story. Like, and then so you just go through this house exploring different, like, um, 
exploring different stories and and one oh gosh okay and then one of them okay so there's like a group of friends right and they and they all go and then they get lost in these stories and they can't get out but one one of them does get out okay and then flash forward to the end of the movie and she's like reading this story about these friends getting locked in the house in these dark uh fairy tales to her grandchildren but she was one of the survivors that got out and like then when when you see her like close like the book like they're really stuck in there still and they're like scratching the pages to get out (laughs) 